Good morning to you all. I'm excited to share with you guys this morning. A couple of Sundays ago, uh, Pastor Steve, my pastor, was here, and he shared on a passage of Scripture about Peter. And it was after the resurrection, and Peter and the disciples find themselves in a very, like, unknown place, wondering kind of like what's next and what are we supposed to do. And um, Jesus appears to them and begins to speak to them. And so I want to really want to dig into that scripture again this morning and unpack that a little bit more. Go with me to John 21, John chapter 21. We're going to read verses 1 through 14. So we talked last week about Jesus appearing to Mary Magdalene. He sees her at the tomb. She was devastated. She didn't know what to do. Here they were following Jesus for three years, had invested their life, their energy, their time, and now he's been crucified, and then they go to anoint his body with spices, and now the stone has been rolled away. And then we also see Jesus, he appears to the disciples without Thomas, behind closed doors in a closed room, and then with Thomas. And then there's just still a lot of unknown exactly what to do. So the disciples are in between the resurrection and the promise of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So they're in this in-between. There's just, they don't know what to do next. And so here we find in John chapter 21, verse 1, is where it picks up and they encounter Jesus again. It says, after this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias. And he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter Thomas, called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, children, do you have any fish? They answered him, no. He said to them, cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved therefore said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work, and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but a hundred yards off. When they got on on the land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it, and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. Now, none of the disciples dared ask him, who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them. 
And so with the fish, this was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. God, we thank you for your word this morning. We thank you that it's live and active. Even as we have just read the scripture this morning, God, it's moving in our hearts already. God, we open ourselves up to whatever it is that you want to speak to us. Whatever it is you want to say to us, God, about what's going on in this moment, in this time, in this season of our life. We're here to hear from you, God. We love you. We honor your presence this morning. And we thank you for all that you're going to do. Amen. So many of you have heard a little bit about my story. I had the privilege of receiving a, a, an athletic scholarship to go play football at the University of Arkansas Pine Bluff. And due to a couple of knee injuries, I had to call it quits. Uh, I've had multiple surgeries on both knees. But as I was entering into university, I had been told, if you want to make some money, <laughs> go into engineering. So I was really good at math and science, and so I chose the degree engineering, and shortly after signing up for a class, and it taking me six hours to draw a box, I decided that this may not be the route that I need to go. And so I changed my major to something else people said I can make a lot of money in. So I changed it to computer science. That was the thing. Everybody was a computer science major. Same thing happened, got into a class, was not very inter interested at all, and so I changed my major again. Three times, guys. And so I had always been involved in athletics and around athletes, so I said, I'll study kinesiology, which is the, it's the study of human movement. And so from, with that degree, you could go into some different areas. You could go into athletic training, you could go into physical therapy. There were just a lot of things that you could do with it. So I landed there. So I spent four years in university, graduated in 2001 with a Bachelor of Science in Kinesiology and still had no idea what I wanted to do with my life. All this time, all of this energy, changing of three majors, only to get my degree to walk across that stage proud but with it in my hand thinking, I have no idea what I'm going to do. And so I connected with one of my, uh, my high school friends, and I said, man, let's go to Atlanta. Let's just drive to Atlanta. It took us about nine hours, so we're driving to Atlanta, just talking and discussing about how we did not know what to do with our lives after we had finished studying. And the disciples find themselves in a similar place this morning. They've been journeying with Jesus. They spent a significant amount of time. He's been teaching them. He's been training them. They've been with him. They've ate with him. They broke bread with him. But now he's gone. He's been crucified, but he's been resurrected, and they've seen him. But the in this in-between place, what do we do? And Jesus reveals himself to them in a very interesting way this morning that we're going to talk about. So it says, Simon Peter said to them, I'm going fishing. 
We don't know what else to do. I'm going to go fishing. They said to him, we will go with you. And they went out and got into the boat, but that night they didn't catch anything. And just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. So Peter finds himself in this place of not knowing what to do. Do they keep on carrying the message? Their lives were also at stake. They had just seen the master, the teacher. They had just seen the religious leaders take him and crucify him for his message. So they're still afraid. And all eyes were on Peter because he was considered to be the leader of this group of men. All eyes were on Peter. What's his next move? And so there's a lot of pressure. There's a lot of weight on what he's going to do. And he says, I'm going fishing. I'm going to go do what I know how to do. I know how to do fishing well. When everything else fails, (laughs) I'll go fish. So fishing was such a big part of Peter's life. God actually used this thing. Jesus used this thing as he caused Peter into the ministry. It was actually in Peter's boats that he stood in as he delivered a message. And then he told him, cast your boats out. And he calls Peter into the ministry. He said, now I'm going to make you a fisher of men. So fishing was his greatest strength, but it was also his greatest weakness. It was Peter's comfort zone. It was what Peter knew that he could always lean back into. And so this is what he's doing. So through Peter's influence of the other disciples, they decide to go with him. They didn't know what to do either. They said, well, let's follow Peter. He says he's going fishing. We're going to go fishing. Something Peter knows how to do well doesn't work. This thing that he had been trained in, this thing that he had been taught in, this thing that was actually a gift for him, it fails. And probably one of the most frustrating moments of his life to be doing something that you know you know how to do, but it doesn't go as you plan for it to go. And everybody's with you and everybody's watching, but you fail. Have you ever acted on something that you feel like God placed in your heart? And then you don't see immediate results. You don't see anything happening, so you just stop. Like it even looks like it's like dead, like it doesn't get off the ground. So you stop, and you go back, and you start doing something that you know, you, ha- you know how to do, but then it fails as well because you know you're not doing the thing that God put on your heart to do. This is where Peter's at. This is where he's at with the disciples. So Jesus is standing on the shore, and he's watching them. They don't recognize him because they're unaware. They're unaware of his presence. They're unaware that he's there. And he's just watching them. Jesus is watching the disciples fail. He's watching Peter fail. And what they did is they allowed the current situation to fog their thoughts. What Jesus had been telling them for the last three years, it hadn't changed. But now all of a sudden... They're filtering Jesus through their condition 
instead of filtering the condition through Jesus. I want to say that again. They're filtering Jesus through their condition. Instead of filtering the condition through Jesus. What are those things in our own lives that we know we've heard the voice of God, we know we've heard Jesus speak to us, but because it doesn't look like it, because the conditions don't seem like they're right, because we've experienced loss, because there's pain, then we don't feel like it's going to happen. But Jesus allows them to make a decision. He turns them over to themselves. And he allows them to go. But he's watching. And he's watching them from a distance. I transitioned out of coaching many years ago because I felt a call into vocational ministry. And um, I had a heart to serve on a church staff. But when I transitioned... Nothing opened up for me. There was nobody calling my phone. There was nobody with an offer for me to come and, and work on a church staff. And I'm upset with God because I felt like I was following him and what he had called me to do and what I felt that he was leading me to do. And so I get back to Arkansas and when things don't work out ministry-wise like I think they're supposed to work out, I go back to what I know. I said, well, I'll coach. I'll find me a, a good high school job, and I'll serve the church well, but I'm going to go back to coaching. But in order to coach high school football in Arkansas, I had to go through a graduate program to get certified so I could teach in the classroom. So I spent all this money, all this time, all this energy taking the class, and then I couldn't find an opening. I couldn't find a job. Here I was, I'd worked at the university in this town, a very, like, high position, and I couldn't even get, like, a high school job. I had failed. And Jesus was standing on the shore watching me. He was watching Jesus, he begins to speak to them, and he said to them, Children, do you have any fish? Knowing that they didn't have any. Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved before said to Peter, it's the Lord. So Jesus is asking them a question to help them get a reality of where they're at. He's trying to help them get a, a, a realistic picture of where they're at in this season of life. You went back to something that you're good at, and because it's your comfort zone, but you failed. You're failing. And you need to understand this. You need to understand where you're at. You've been out here all night. You're a fisherman. That's your trade. That's your profession. 
That's what you've been trained in. You haven't caught one fish. Not one. You've had no success without me. Peter was gifted to fish, but his gift alone was not enough. He had forgotten who the Lord of the fish was. He had forgotten the two times when he was with Jesus Christ. And he took a small portion of fish and he multiplied it. Once for 5,000, another time for 4,000. He was the Lord of the fish. He had forgotten who made the fish. And he's out there on his own and he's trying to generate something in his own strength. How quickly we forget in unknown times who Jesus is. We all do it. We get to a place in our life and there's a crossroad. Even after we've seen Jesus perform miracle after miracle in our life, how he's provided time after time after time, we get to this place and we're trying to make a decision on what to do next. And we move without God. We move without consulting him. We move with, without inviting him into the picture. We move without asking him. And we end up doing something our own strength that we're very talented in, but we fail. Even in the failure, Jesus is still with the disciples, reminding them who he is. I'm the key to your success. He tells the disciples, Cast your net on the right side of the boat. Cast your net. I'm going to show you how to catch fish. Cast it on the right side of the boat. The right side of the boat is God's provision. It's the fish that he's already prepared. It's the invisible. It's the things that we can't see that are happening beneath the waters that God is moving in and he's working in. And if we'll just wait and be patient and be still and know that he is God... We'll have a big catch. So he helps them. And he's done this before in his early interaction with them. In Luke chapter 5, verse 4, it says, And when he had finished speaking, this is when he first calls Peter, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. So it's not about our skill or how skillful we are, but it's about hearing the voice of the Lord and following it. It's about hearing the voice of the Lord and following it. When they cast the net on the right side of the boat, the same thing happened as before. They weren't, it was so many fish that they weren't able to haul it in. And then John, the one whom Jesus loved, said, it's the Lord. I remember this. I remember when he first called us. I remember our nets gotten so full that they were torn. This is the Lord. This is not something that we have done in our own strength. But it's us being obedient to his voice and casting our nets on the right side of the boat. So when I was 
pursuing vocational ministry, I forgot who was the one that was inviting me and calling me. It was the creator of the universe. It was the God of Abraham. It was the God of Moses. It was the God of Paul. It was the same God who called my father. How quickly we forget. How quick we are to forget how he has provided every step of the way. It's God who's placed that business idea in your heart. It's God who's told you to go and start the nonprofit to serve your community. It's God. Don't forget who it is that's inviting you and asking you to do these things. And the same God who calls you, the same God who invites you, is the same God who will provide for it to happen. But we don't generate this in our own strength. Something is happening on the other side of the boat, underneath the waters, because Jesus has spoken. But we must heed his voice and we must follow it and we must be obedient to it. So, after John says, it's the Lord, Peter gets excited. He jumps into the water. He swims to the shore. And it says, when they got on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, bring some of the fish that you've just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn, Jesus said to them, come and have breakfast. I want you to remember that, come and have breakfast. So each time Jesus is meeting with the disciples after the resurrection, he's dealing with some challenges that they're going through. All right, we see Thomas with doubt. We see Mary, she needed faith to let go. There were other disciples. There were these things that they were wrestling with because of his death, because of his resurrection. So now he's appearing to them after he has risen and he's strengthening them. And he's needing to strengthen them because of the assignment that he's getting ready to give them. Because they're going to have to be the carriers of the message. Jesus is going to trust these men with the message of the gospel. And he needs them to not be shaken. He needs them to find their identity in him. He needs them to believe that he has risen and death and the grave has been conquered. And so he's meeting them, and he's helping them, and he's showing them, I'm right here with you. Trust me. Believe in me. Have faith in me. I'm going to provide for you. 
The disciples had had one of the largest catches in their life. One of the largest catches. And Jesus <laughs> has prepared a fire for them to warm themselves. And not only has he prepared a fire for them, but he's also prepared a meal. He has fish laid out. He has bread laid out. Jesus knew they would be hungry after fishing all night. Jesus knew that their bodies would need to be warmed. So he prepared a fire. He prepared breakfast. Jesus was unconcerned about the number of fish that they had caught. He was unconcerned about the size. He was unconcerned about it. He even said, bring some of the fish that you've caught. This is not his focus. This is not what his mind is on. It's not on the size of the catch. And he's never focused on the size of the catch. We are usually the ones that are focused on the size of the catch. We are the ones who are focused on the Jesus who allowed the catch to happen. But we don't focus on the Jesus who meets the need of hunger. Jesus meets a very practical and real need in the disciples' life. He's not just the God of miracles, but he's the God that's involved in our everyday life. He's the God that's involved in our daily provision. Did you know that there's only one meal in the Bible that Jesus has prepared? And it's this one. After the disciples' greatest failure in being in this place of unknown, of not knowing what to do next, of fearing for their life, of being confused, of being frustrated about where they're at, Jesus takes care of a very practical need in their life. And he's still doing it today. Have you ever wondered in your prayer time, does Jesus even know that I'm here? Does he even care about me? There are billions of people on the earth. Does he hear my prayers? Does he hear my voice? Does he know me like I hear people say? Listen to what it says in Psalms 37, 23. The Lord directs the steps of the godly. Hear this part. He delights in every detail of their lives. Do you know that God is concerned about the detail of your life? He's concerned about the detail of your life. He delights in it. Who would ever think that Jesus, after the resurrection, would be concerned about the warmth 
of a group of men would be concerned about the hunger of a group of men. But he's prepared a place. He's prepared a meal. Something so simple. Something so practical. Surely Jesus wouldn't be concerned about these things. Yes, he is. And he's concerned about the same things in your own life. I want to encourage you this morning. Maybe you've been struggling. Maybe you've been wrestling. There's been some very practical things in your life and you're wondering, does Jesus even care? Yes, he does. He does. He says it in his word. He's concerned about every detail in your life. And it's hard for me to understand this. How could he be with so many, so many people? The same way that I do with my eight-year-old son and my three-year-old daughter. Every single detail. From the pillows that they lay their heads on to the shoes that they lace to the food that they put in their mouth, to the clothes that they put on their back. As a father, I'm concerned about every single detail, every practical need in their life. I think about it. I want to provide it for them because I want to be a good father. And God is a good father to his children. And he loves you this morning. Jesus, this morning, he's standing on the shore of your, circ- or your current circumstance. And he's saying, breakfast is ready. Breakfast is ready. And he knows you're hungry for assurance. He knows you're hungry for meaning. He knows you're hungry for purpose. He knows you're hungry for answers, for wisdom, and for peace. So I'll never forget the Saturday morning that I was praying. It had been about a year and a half in my pursuit of vocational ministry. And I just had about enough of it. I was frustrated with God. I was like, forget this. And I began to vent my frustration in my conversation with the Lord and had a real hard conversation with him. And I said, God, I resigned from my job. It was something that I put nine years into that I sacrificed for. Time, energy, money. I resigned from this and now I look like a fool. I look like a fool. And he said, what is it that's keeping you from doing what I've invited you to do from what I've called you to do? And I begin to think, like, there's no opening. There's, there's, there's no open door. Nobody has asked me. Nobody has invited me. But the matter of the issue was the thing that was keeping me was money. It was provision. I didn't see how I could pursue this thing that he had called me to do and how my practical needs were going to be taken care of. And he asked me a question that changed the way that I was thinking about it. 
He said, if money wasn't an issue, what would you do? Well, I said, I would go do it. He said, Monty, go do that. Go do it. And something shifted in my mind in that moment. And I resigned from the job that I was working in. And I went and I worked for the church for free for about a month. And after a month, the church began to pay me. Jesus is concerned about every detail of your life. We're waiting on the door to open, and he's saying, look, the door is open. I'm going to provide for you the same way that I've always provided for you. It may not look the way that you think it's going to look, but provision will be made. Provision will be made. I want to encourage you this morning to trust in the Lord. To step out on those things that he's placed in your heart. To remember who's put them there. To remember who's calling you. It's the one who made you. It's the one who created you. He knows you. And he's saying, throw your net on the other side of the boat. I've provided for you. There's something that's going on under the waters. But I need you to take the step. And I need you to trust me that I'm concerned about every detail of your life. Bow your heads. I want to pray with you this morning. I just want you to take that thing this morning that's in your heart that maybe you've even been embarrassed about bringing it up to people because it seems like it's so far-fetched. And I want you to place it into the hands of Jesus. Whether it's a business, whether it's some sort of nonprofit, whether it's about your next steps in life, I want you to just place it into the hands of Jesus. God, here we are this morning. Much like the disciples. Not knowing what step to take next in our life. We believe in the resurrection. We believe that you are alive, but what does that mean for us? What does that mean for the dreams and the desires? What does that mean for the call on our life? God, we want to trust you. We want to trust you with these things that we, that we hear, that we feel, that we sense. But it's hard to see beyond our condition. It's hard to see beyond the now. It's hard to see beyond the need. God, give us eyes to see. 
ears to hear and a heart to understand what you're saying and what you're doing during this time. God, we want to hear your voice. We want to hear your instruction and we want to be obedient. We want to act upon it, God. But we need your help. We need your assistance. We need your strength. We need your peace that surpasses understanding, that floods our minds and our hearts. We need it to be able to move forward in what you called us into. We need you this morning, Lord. Help us keep our eyes fixed on you. Help us not be moved by the waters. But Lord, help us to keep moving forth in our destiny and the promises that you've spoken over our life. God, in the things that when you were forming and shaping us, that you said this is for, for them. We want to walk those things out, God. We love you this morning, Jesus. It's in your name. It's in your name. It's in your resurrected life. It's in the words that you spoke. It is finished that we ask these things this morning. Amen.